The GIST is creating new African narratives through disseminating key lessons and best practices from some of the continent's leading entrepreneurs and businesses. Josh Sandler is the outgoing CEO and co-founder of Lorry, a tech-driven logistics company that seamlessly coordinates haulage across frontier markets. Lorry provides mobile-based on-demand tracking logistics services through an Uber-like network of drivers and merchant partners. Lorry Systems has operations in Kenya, Uganda, and Nigeria, just to name a few. As a South African native, Josh has deep knowledge of African markets, with experience in advising governments and building organizations across the continent. Josh, like many of us, began his career in investment banking and public equity before receiving his MBA and MPA in international development from Harvard. Josh is an Endeavor entrepreneur and was recognized in 2018 as an inaugural Obama Foundation African Fellow. We're so glad to have him join us today. Josh, welcome to The Gist. We're so glad to have you. To start off, perhaps you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. How does a South African-born entrepreneur, American-raised, American-schooled, how do they find themselves in East Africa? What problem are you trying to solve? What problem were you trying to solve? Thanks so much. Thanks so much, B. Uh, thanks so much to Bian Tatenda for having me here. Uh, very excited to be here. So, um, yeah, so from Johannesburg, originally moved to the States when I was a kid, uh, bounced around a bunch there, but uh, while bouncing around, a consistent place was always coming back to see the family in South Africa. Um, ended up going to University of Georgia for undergrad. Uh, afterwards, was trying to figure out like how to move back to the continent in a, in a way that that, that could be quite interesting. I was always very interested in uh, macroeconomic systematic opportunities. So when I was uh, what 21, ended up joining investment banking uh, in New York to try to understand more like how systems work. After that, I went into growth equity investing, which mm-hmm. was uh, which is super uh, fascinating. Trying to understand how to analyze sectors and businesses, and again, I always the perspective was that when you invest, uh, investment capital could really drive some interesting uh, opportunities and growth on the continent. Um, and so, ended up going to Harvard, where I did my MBA and a master's in development economics. It was called MPID, and was there for three years. Uh, between the government school and the business school. And my first year, I did a project with Kenyan government on supply chain analysis of agriculture. And what we saw is when you buy a mango at the farm gate, you'll pay pay half a penny, and that same mango costs 30 cents in the grocery store. Uh, Saw a big opportunity here to try to understand why, because those kind of cost constructs were quite severe. And what we saw is that Part of it was because of the consolidation and the collection of those uh, the product, and then part of it was the distribution and logistics. And started obsessing about this like logistics con- concept. And Kennedy School, uh, the Ricardo Hausmann's growth diagnostic f- framework, was something that spent a lot of time on, and started ad- adapting that towards this. And wrote my dissertation on that, uh, my thesis on what are the core constraints of 
uh, economies that are driven by a logistics impact. And what we saw is when you buy a good in Kenya, up to 40% of what you pay for that good goes to logistics cost. While in the US, that same number is 6%. So everyone was saying, you know, this is because of uh, infrastructure, et cetera, challenges. And, and so we started double clicking on all of these like claims. And what we saw is that it was, it wasn't because of infrastructure, it was because of a very low level of asset utilization. Infrastructure definitely impacts it, but infrastructure like was able to sustain it and is continuing to improve across the continent. But this um, data capture and data visibility and information sharing, that centralized uh, flexibility of an e the ecosystem wasn't um, it was challenging to capture the right information and be able to process and analyze that data. So we saw a big opportunity to increase the truck utilization from 6% in East Africa, 4% in West Africa, of truck utilization of expensive assets, I should say, utilization of expensive assets, to be able to uh, increase asset utilization to decrease costs through the better coordination of information. And so that's kind of a bit of a background. We started in Kenya, uh, was our initial market. There was a high level of tech adoption at the, uh, at the stage and a huge opportunity to uh, test something out with a very closed system where we were just in Mombasa to Nairobi routes of very specific commodities and able to scale it over time from there. Uh, and, and it's been an exciting, incredible journey. I've really enjoyed it and now at the uh, at an interesting inflection point where our COO, who's frankly the best executor I've ever worked with in my career, um, she is taking over the business uh, as CEO. I'll still support as uh, chairman of the board. And I'm very excited for these next steps and for the future of the business. Uh, and yeah, so I'll pause there. But that's a bit of the background of where we are, where we came from and how we are where we are today. Maybe let's just really, let's just stop there and just take a step back a little bit. I sort of get what asset utilization really speaks to, but maybe you could, as an expert, sort of just break that down first in our listeners. What does that really mean? Why is it so important? So essentially, when trucks are, trucks are sitting empty and idle a lot of the day, because it was taking three days to load a truck, two days to offload a truck, a lot of this was driven by the fact that um, people didn't know where trucks are. They were calling all the trucks available and trucks would say they're en route and there'd be uh, delays for whatever reason. Uh, and cargo would say it's ready because there was the assumption that trucks would be delayed. Um, and so there was a system whereby the, they lacked actual information. And as I mentioned before, I was taking three days to load a truck, two days to offload a truck, quite often and you know like uh, plus the border delays would take a few days etc we built a platform which I think we brought a lot of the trucks in the ecosystem in East and West Africa onto one centralized platform where cargo owners can now on demand or in the future schedule for trucks to pick up their cargo if trucks are delayed for whatever reason alternative trucks will be sent and if cargo is delayed um, trucks will be sent elsewhere. That's the objective of this whole ecosystem is to increase the utilization and make sure trucks are moving more often of the time with cargo on them because it's a fixed expensive cost that is being paid for by the ecosystem. 
and it's driving a lot of higher cost of products. Amazing, amazing. Very, very clear. Congrats on having a new female CEO. We love to see it. It's actually quite amazing. <laughs> Uche is the person who I've always dreamed of. Uh, someone, it's handing over my baby. Was, it's tough. It's tough. This is something that I've put all my heart and soul into. Every network, every friend and family I've ever met, I've pushed aggressively in trying to figure out how we can work together to 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 collaborate in solving this challenge and um, really put everything I feel like I've put on everything on the line for it. So it wasn't an easy decision, and um, yeah, it's it's been a probably almost a year of conceptualizing and a year in the making of really thinking through it in every step of the way and making sure that this was the right decision and we had third parties like help us think through it and very confident that for the what the business needs and where it's going um uche she's the best person to do so no that sounds great josh the one thing you mentioned around i mean i guess why kenya uh, one of the reasons why kenya was you talked about kind of a high technology adoption and I guess your website says Laurie is a tech-driven logistics services company. Um, and I guess thinking about the platform you described earlier, can you break that down for us in terms of what does that look like day to day? How how has or is technology enabling um, logistics services in your business? So, as as mentioned before, it's it's part of capturing of data and information of what's happening. It's part of like optimizing the ecosystem and providing that visibility. So, so we find it very important to better, like it's a coordination mechanism. Like I think a simple way folks can think about it is like an Uber type platform for trucks. It's you're bringing on a two-sided marketplace, both sides, um, which, which are, could be relatively fragmented in, in, in different markets and bring them onto one platform where, you through coordination and collaboration are driving more efficient um, price points for everyone involved where all sides benefit. The transporters get more revenue over the course of the year um, and do more trips. The cargo owners pay less per trip ideally, and you can increase this entire, improve this the ecosystem. So, Technology for us in the beginning was Google Sheets. It was uh, just hacking a system and just trying to capture whatever information possible. And over time, we've built quite a large tech team, almost entirely based on the continent, that is really driving this, um, this growth and this adoption of the platform and the technology. And it became very, very, very clear that without technology driving that scale, like it was going to be very hard to do, <laughs> uh, to, to build a large company to do what we're trying to do. That's so exciting though, that you, that you mentioned that, you know, you started with Google Sheets as the technology. I think sometimes people think that, oh, if you're doing tech on the continent, you need some fancy app. Um, but actually, you know, Mpesa was before that, using Apple Pay, um, so, <laughs> um, you know, te technology can look, can take different forms, but you know, it, it, there, it's, it's a beginning of a place to innovate. And I think oftentimes people forget that. Yeah. I, I think that's perfectly, um, I, th I, I think that that 
a good example that you just mentioned. Um, we try to come in and do this in a fancy tech way where we put geo filters around location. And when someone breached those like areas, like, like it would blast out uh, transports, but there's a lot of in market challenges that made it like if someone handed their phone to someone else and the phone went to, you know, like a rural part in Kenya, it would really mess up the decision-making of the, of the platform. And when, um, folks were in a location, but they were, you know, at home sleeping. Like it would show that they were in a location, but like the tracker would, but they wouldn't be available to load. So there's a lot of when we came in, we were like, this is a pure tech play. Then we quickly realized it was a combo of tech and operations. And I think that's a really vital revelation for us to have earlier on. And in terms of like hacking it, I think when we went and fund and raised funding, I, I'm approached a lot of times by folks saying, I have an idea. And it's a great idea, but will it work? And I think it's so important to test it out. You don't have to build the fanciest thing, a very basic MVP, Google Sheets, running around a port, meeting trucks, like connecting folks, whatever it may be, but getting the idea off the ground and getting traction in that sense and proving that out is absolutely vital and I think imperative for fundraising. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Taking a step back, you know, no one really has a brilliant idea that goes from zero to 100 in six months or becomes a unicorn in six months. If they do, they should probably share that for the rest of us. Maybe talk us through some of your stumbling blocks. Uh, what did you learn from them? Um, what can others sort of learn from them? Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of stumbling blocks along the way. I think like there were challenges in the beginning with getting trust. Those challenges, it takes a long time to get trust. It takes a quick time to lose trust. When we, at one stage, uh, are, uh, we're having difficulty collecting in the early stage that allowed, uh, that made us delay payments to transports and we quickly lost trust like by the transporters. So it's about conversation, communication, like, like being, making sure that you're transparent about it. Uh, but also just like FaceTime, like making sure that you are effective at collaborating and you're not this like tyrant that's coming into the market to eradicate an existing industry, like, and, and just like implode a system in order to build your own, right? Like it's about how, from my end, at least that's the way that I approach it is like, how are we going to work together to solve this issue? Because it's a pretty optimal efficiency. And when I say pretty optimal, it's, an opportunity to find a way that every party benefits. And through better coordination, I fundamentally believe that in most fields, everyone can benefit from it. Yes, individuals who may be uh, benefiting from chaos may not be, but those are few and far between. Like the core parties are going to be able to benefit through these, like, coordination ecosystems. And I think that that's, that's such a good point, Josh. Um, you know, like the, the importance of proper coordination and, and, and an ecosystem approach. I guess the, the natural question coming from what you shared is, you know, thinking about COVID, right? So you raised, you mentioned fundraising, you raised your Series A in 2019, and then 2020, there's a global pandemic. And so how did COVID impact your business? Did you find you had to shift your model or did it further highlight uh, the need for improved logistics on the continent? 
I think, but I mean, the reality is we were growing so rapidly before COVID. There was like, we were just growing like exponentially every few months. And, and, and so what it, we started growing in a way that I would say was extremely aggressive that didn't have, um, wasn't optimizing for the business itself. COVID made us think through, okay, what do we actually need to scale and optimize this business? What cost centers are vital? What can we avoid just like, what is unnecessary? How do we build a model for the longer run that is much more scalable? And it made us make some really tough decisions that I don't think we would have done necessarily otherwise when we were just like had that ridiculous growth. And I think that that helped us to remain disciplined and longer term is really, really effective. Um, on top of that, I think it also made us realize like a lot of the economies we're going to operate in are going to go through cycles, right? I mean, and our business model previously was great for when economies are growing or stable, but how do we put backstops for the inevitable that there will be economic cycles, whether that's on, per market or globally, and how do we protect against that? So it made us think smarter about how we're approaching the business as well. It just, it, it was a very, very reflective time in our company's life cycle. No, that makes, I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, and you probably have the scars, but also are coming out of it stronger for it. You know, you probably, you're building a more resilient business. So that's, that's exciting. Absolutely. No, we're excited. We're, we're, we're excited. And, and I think longer term, as I mentioned, like it, it was very tough for a while. And it did definitely demonstrate how vital logistics is to the entire ecosystems uh, that we operate in. And that this, I'll be honest, it's like not, people don't see it as the sexiest business, but it is absolutely crucial for the piping of the system. Like logistics is the pipes of the system and making sure that there's flow is vital for an ecosystem. Makes sense. So really sticking to maybe fundraising, you've seemed to have raised from quite a few investors, um, Chinese, Nigerian, American, quite, quite diverse how difficult was it to raise money from a project in East Africa with funders who didn't know or live in a market you were operating in? Thinking about my own background, um, you know, you kind of always have to tailor it very specifically to whatever project you're doing. And it often does help if people have some context. So how did this work for you? Were the investors moved from um, the market in which they were actually investing into? I mean, I think I had multiple decks for different people. For people from the market, when we raised from folks in Kenya, we raised from folks in Nigeria, people understood it. But when raising abroad, a lot of times people didn't get it. And I think I took a lot of meetings with people who I knew wouldn't invest because it's a long-term game. And it's absolutely vital that they understand what the opportunities on the continent are for the, lo for the long run. It, it, we all know it on the call, and most people listening will, will know it. But it is just so exciting for the future of global growth. Uh, Africa is probably the most exciting place I think right now. And that is absolutely vital. People understand. So I met with hundreds, probably, I think I looked at our database, 350 different investors Jesus. over the course of the past four years. That's and incredible. our cap table is what, like 35. So a lot of those were just to meet with the traditional big U.S. investors and be like, look, this is the opportunity on the content. So those decks were very different. Those were a lot more about 
the opportunity on the continent rather than about the company itself, knowing that they wouldn't necessarily invest this year or next year, but maybe in a few years they'll get, uh, they'll see the continued success of, of the glory and the continued success of other companies on the continent. And let's be honest, those other companies have been very helpful for us in terms of like getting folks to understand you're seeing Paysac and Flutterwave and Yoko and all of these exciting businesses that are growing rapidly and demonstrating to the world like, wow, like there is, this is a narrative that, that people need to listen to. This is something that people need to keep their like eyes and ears wide open for because things are happening and they're happening fast. And people who got into that five years ago are seeing those benefits and, and those benefits are speaking extensively. And so I think that there's a big tide turning right now and it's, it's a big, uh, a big change in people's perspectives of this opportunity and seeing that this, this, this area where people are like, I don't know how that works. Like I, I, it's foreign to me, like, okay, wait, it's not so far. And these are companies now that other folks in the ecosystems that people, Tiger, everyone, like all the big players are getting involved in Hill House. Like these are opportunities that people are starting to say, okay, we need to really understand them much better. We have a general perspective, so we need to get deeper in it. So it, it's been, a, it's been a, fun, a fun few years of really having these conversations and just seeing how, frankly, those narratives and the questions are changing. Like people in the US, US-based investors are getting a lot smarter on how to approach the, the, the investment landscape on the continent and how to, how to ask the right questions and, and drive that. Amazing to hear. Uh, really, really great, actually. People kind of know me, know me. I'm not very easily impressed, but Laurie's accomplishments are quite, quite impressive. Is, is it an award you think you actually haven't won? What do you think is really at the crux of your current success? <laughs> it's funny because I don't think I'll ever see it successful. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. And I think maybe that's part of it is like never, never saying, okay, like we've done it. Like, I think it's going to take a, a lot of years and maybe <laughs> reflecting at the la- later stages of life where I can actually think through like what we've been building, but it, it's exciting for, for, for my end to see at least the progress that's been made and seeing where we were a year ago, seeing where we were two years ago. So I think it's just like seeing that consistent change. I think just staying like true to the mission, staying like really committed to, to, to driving this and just like laser focus, being like, okay, we're going to do this and this is all my energy and all the team's energy is going to be. And, and it's just the team. The team has been so passionate behind the cause and it's such a cause that's impossible and i think the good thing about the company is that it's 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 attracted like kind of crazy people the the crazy ones who like are not rational in their like ability to say this is like this can work and this can't work because i think like like the impossible we want the people who say okay the impossible we can make the impossible work because logistics globally is just it hasn't, there's been a limited innovation and shift in the past 40, 50 years. And we're now seeing like our, the, this team who has a laser focus on changing its ecosystem on a global like perspective and lens and then like shifting the narratives and shifting everything. Like people are just so committed to doing things that are really, really hard. And that's been beautiful to see is their ability and our team's ability uh, to really just drive 
aggressively at brick walls that are so hard to shift and move and just breaking through those. So we're continuing to do that and, and, and pushing hard on that front. And I just think like that irrational behavior is, has been absolutely crucial of saying, okay, we're going to do something that's, that's really not uh, many may think not possible to do. And, and we're going to push hard on that front. That's such a critical point, Josh, um, that you're raising there because teams are so important, but then you think about, well, how do you find them? There's a huge war for talent. And, and the kind of talent you're talking about is not the nine to five. They're going above and beyond. So how do you find those people? Did they find you or how do you find these crazy ones? <laughs> I think, I think by being very transparent on like what we're trying to do and like the firm culture and just the intensity of it and just being like, this is like one of our, uh, our tech team always describes it like it's an extreme sport. It's something that's like, you're going to go hard at you're, It's going to be challenging. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to learn from it and you're going to like really need to like work hard to do it. And just being very honest about that and saying, hey, this is not going to be a nine to five job. It's not going to be something that at the end of the day, it's going to be like, okay, like I'm off. And I think that's tough because a lot of, it, it just depends on on the approach you want to do. Like, I think if you want to come in and have an intense learning experience and and really like, just like be thrown in the deep end, have a lot of responsibilities and and be able to drive a lot of the change yourself and be part of this bigger thing. Like that's something that, we want people to be aware of that that's it. So I think it's just speaking to people, being open about that, uh, having referrals of people being like, hey, who's your, who, do you have any friends who are just like, like nutters who would want to be part of this? And, and a lot of that became internal references. And we definitely incentivize that and definitely try to rally people to, to bring on folks they know in the space. And I think people become very aware of like, who the type of person is who would succeed pretty quickly on and who won't succeed in, 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 in within the company. No, that's really cool. And I think Jen, you know, then looking forward, right? So to young people who are listening to you and like hearing your story, what advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneurs or team members, other crazy ones looking for teams to join and, and great, great battles and journeys to be, I don't know, exploring and innovating in, but particularly in logistics and freight, which is your words, not the sexiest of industries. What would you say to somebody looking to, to innovate and look for opportunities to disrupt in this space? Yeah, I, I think the, set, the non-sexy industries are honestly like, for me, some of the most interesting and most attractive. Like those are going to be the most stimulating. Those are going to be the hardest. Those are going to be the ones that you'll learn the most from. It's like, look, keep an open mind go look at these opportunities. Don't say, oh, I only, this is hot right now. I only want to look into this. Like you can have this, like when you're thinking about what impact, like I think even like people are like, okay, it's healthcare or it's uh, uh, maybe financial inclusion. Those are impactful. But then you start pulling back the layers and you're like, oh, wow, logistics is also like, if you don't have the piping of the ecosystem working, it's hard to be globally competitive and trade or have efficient consumption and that's going to greatly like impact the ability for an ecosystem to grow and that could be a binding constraint to that growth so so i think it's like pulling back the layers keeping an open mind of like what does this industry what does this company really stand for what is the opportunity here am i going to join this company and am i going to learn am i going to grow am i going to be challenged am i going to be able to take that skill set and 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 go elsewhere i mean it's been pretty cool like seeing how many entrepreneurs yesterday 
three former, I had conversations with three former Lorium uh, team members who are all building really cool companies. And I think going and joining a company for, for a while, spending two, three, four years there and understanding like how this to build culture, how to build ecosystem, you can learn so much from it. And especially the scrappiness and like the change required at an early stage company and being open to that change and seeing how it shifts. I mean, it, it is, it can be scary at times and like learning how to be scared and how to like internalize that and how to be nervous about, oh, wow, this is shifting so fast. Like, how do I stay on for the ride? How do I learn? How do I grow? I think that's super important. And I think that's a, an area that you may not get as much of from a more traditional um, company, which is like a, a corporate where you're working nine to five, but like going to these early stage and getting comfort with that kind of ecosystem is quite important. And I think that entrepreneurship is important and everyone should, um, I think, be encouraged to start businesses. But, but I do think like it's also important for people to collaborate and people to join earlier stage companies and work together to change the system. I think if you, the narrative of having millions and millions of individual entrepreneurs and like an individualized function and everyone competing. And I think that sometimes for the ecosystems uh, to really grow, you do need collaboration and for folks to join earlier stage companies and learn from it and, and be better at the entrepreneur journey for later, but collaborating and working with co-founders and working with partners and, and trying to work together on these objectives and missions is, is, is very important. Where to from here? Yeah, so I think, Lori, I mean, it, it's pretty exciting. So, like, I think that the opportunity is just endless. Like, college spend across Africa is $200 billion. That's not even, like, there's so much opportunity for Lori to grow into this multi-billion dollar company over the next few years. And, and, and everyone at the company is very committed to doing so. And I'm so excited for the new leadership under Uche and to see how and she's going to take this company forward and uh, hearing her views on, uh, on execution and how she's approaching it is just brilliant. I'm, I'm learning from just speaking to her every day. And so for the company itself, I just see immense growth potential. As far as me, I need some time. I'm going to still stay very involved with uh, supporting Uche where she needs me. But if she says she doesn't need me, I won't. I can't interfere. I have to let go. It's a challenging concept for me, but I do have to do it. And so I think that it's going to be um, support, continuing to support Lori as they need, but also taking some time to just re-energize. Like five years of grinding on this was, was a lot for me. And it was like deep in the trenches and, and it was very emotionally like intense. And I think so before I go on to my next step, I do need to spend some time. Like I have no plans for a next step as of right now, but I do need to spend some time recovering. And maybe in a year or so, I have that energy to like go back and, and build something new. And that's going to be exciting. I really like these challenges of building and creating and, and building something and, and, and getting it off the ground and taking an idea and seeing it into fruition and, and seeing it grow and everything. And then finding the right people who can take it to the next level than I can. Like I, I, I have a certain skill sets, I believe, and I have certain areas that I'm not great at. And I think at a certain stage, you just need the best people to be running these businesses to take them to the next, uh, uh, you know, ecosystem and hemisphere and universe, wherever you want to use the analogy, but really to take it to the next stage. 
Amazing. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to hearing from you very, very soon and connecting once again. And we wish you all the very best. The gist. Innovate. Scale. Succeed.